you know, you, you, you talk about the symbols, symbols of America. That, to me, the flag is, uh, is the main one. It always, it always does something when you see it. And it always does something when you see it flagged, draped over a casket. Whether that person served the military years ago or whether it's active duty. In my day, it was Vietnam, Walter Cronkite on the evening news and showing those flag-draped caskets being taken off a C-130 or whatever they hauled them in. But it done something to you. And even today, as we continue to bring people home from the war in one place in the world or another, it touches our hearts in some way or another, and it should. Today is Veterans Day, 2018. And here's a clip. It's for school kids, which we all still are really in our minds, and it it really explains Veterans Day. Let's watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Alicia. Since 1919, November 11th has been a national holiday in the United States. Originally called Armistice Day, Veterans Day commemorates the men and women who served in America's armed forces. This holiday is marked by parades, educational events, and gatherings at memorials to fallen soldiers. There is a specific time of day associated with this November 11th holiday as well. Can you guess what it is? We'll show you the answer at the end of this video. The holiday was originally specific to the ending of World War I, but it became Veterans Day in 1954. The end of World War I marked the end of the first global conflict in which the United States had been involved. It also marked the end of one of its bloodiest wars, and, to ensure that people didn't forget, Armistice Day was signed into law in 1919. Veterans Day parades are popular events on November 11th. Today, there are no surviving combat veterans from the First World War, which it was originally designed to commemorate. You'll find veterans of all wars, as well as peacetime veterans, marching in Veterans Day parades in the United States. People who served in the United States Marine Corps also celebrate the birthday of their branch of service on November 11th. The United States Marine Corps was established on November 10th, 1775, but the events are close enough to make Veterans Day an important celebration for members of the Marine Corps as well. Most members of the Marine Corps get some time off to enjoy this holiday. Veterans Day was briefly moved to October in 1971. The move did not last long, and by 1978, the holiday had been moved back to its original November 11th date. And now, here's the answer to the quiz. Do you know the specific time of day associated with this November 11th holiday? During Veterans Day celebrations, the most important time of day is 11 o'clock a.m. The armistice that brought World War I to a halt was signed on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. Germany's agreement to the ceasefire brought an end to a war whose repercussions would be felt well into the next generation. How was this lesson? Did you learn something interesting? Do you have a similar day in your country? Please leave a comment. Of course, if there was Marines in the audience, there would be a oorah. We have veterans here at Crossroads, which some have seen combat and seen the horrors of war firsthand and been in harm's way and experienced death and destruction, which has most assuredly left an indelible impression in their hearts and minds. So we, we say thank you this morning for veterans. If you're a veteran, would you stand, please?
Thank you. I know I'm a big movie buff. I haven't been watching movies like I used to, but uh, on A Few Good Men with Nicholson, Tom Cruise, and had him on the stand. Of course, he was digging him pretty good, and he was starting to come unraveled, actually. But he was talking about protection and what veterans do. And, and one of the things Nicholson said, I, I'll misquote it, I'm sure. He said, but when you're in your bed safe at night, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. That's always, that's always stuck to me. So I got one more clip here. It's a, it's a little clip that says, thank you, vets. So let's watch this. I suffer, you know, with PTSD. It just won't go away for a long time. I hope that you think twice about what you are doing to this nation's veterans who are willing to die to protect this nation. If the Army asked me to go again, to be deployed again, I would absolutely go. I may give out, but I never give up. text today is Psalm 16.1, which I'm sure that there are many veterans who have quoted this during the heat of battle and in the heart of that whole chaos. King James Version puts it this way, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. New Living Translation says, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I think it's a verse that we would do well to memorize in our own lives as we do battle every day between the world, the flesh, and the devil. Have you ever heard a poem entitled In Flanders Fields. Flanders Fields is a common English name of the World War I battlefields in an area straddling the Belgian provinces of West Flanders and East Flanders, as well as the French de department of Nord-Pas-de-Calais, part of which makes, us, makes up the area known as French Flanders. Here it is today. And then there's a picture of what it looked like in... 1915. God bless Bill Drapo. I love you, brother. I appreciate what you're doing with this PowerPoint stuff. In Flanders Field is a war poem in the form of a rondeau. Stacy, I'd never heard that before. Written during the First World War by Canadian physician Lieutenant Colonel John McCrae. He was inspired to write it on May 3rd, 1915 after presiding over the funeral of a friend and fellow soldier, Lieutenant Alexa Helmer. Poem goes like this. In Flanders field the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky 
The larks still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived and felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders Field. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders Field. It's where Poppy Day comes from. You see people on the street, uh, different veterans and organizations sell them at stoplights and stop signs and things like that. Since 1921, poppies was used to co commemorate the war dead in the First World War I and then all wars. This next slide here, you notice that big oak tree over there on the courthouse square? Barney LaFala, which is my new grand... I never had granddaughters, and now I got one. Kennedy is her name. But her, her grandpa, Bonnie, Barney LaFala, told me we was over there doing wedding pictures. And he said, you see that oak tree? I said, yeah. He said, there was a veteran from World War I from Sullivan County brought that acorn back and planted that, and that's where that tree came from. I thought that was pretty cool. I really did. So you never, you know, it's part of history it is here. In my book, Veterans Are What Helped Make America Great and Continue to Make This a Great Nation and Keep It Safe. And I do believe that there's some revisionists that try to rewrite history would argue with this point. But for me, the United States of America was founded on God Almighty. And all you have to do is a little research and about the symbols of America to discover how much God was involved in the founding of this great country. I want, I want to look at the symbols of America. I, I, love, I love to watch eagles. They symbolize uh, many positive aspects of life and, and how they live, actually. When I was in northern Illinois, uh, I was fortunate to go to the Army depot at Savannah, which was right on the Mississippi. And a guy that went to church, worked there, he took me in there one day. We counted 90 bald eagles in one place. It was an amazing, amazing sight. And I know there's eagles here as well. For thousands of years, the eagle has become admired for its grandeur, its grace in flight, and its great size and awesome power. The soaring eagle is also a stirring picture of, of true meaning of liberty. Assisted by its powerful wings, the eagle glides effortlessly to altitudes of over 2,400 feet and is capable of using its wings to carry other eagles to safety. The eagle's eyesight enable him to be sensitive to approaching danger and protect himself and his family. The eagle displays the sense of responsibility that is companion of genuine liberty. He mates for life and returns to the same nest every year, and if it needs fixing up, he does that, and he also teaches his young how to fly. In many ways, the eagle illustrates the life, victory, power, and freedom that Jesus Christ came to give those of us who place our trust in him. On the great seal of America, the American bald eagle holds an olive branch and a bundle of 13 arrows, and in its beak a scroll inscribed with the motto, E Pluribus Unum, one out of many, is what that means. When I think about the beginning of this country and what a huge part God played in making this nation great, that it's become a place of freedom, actually. It's Amer America has symbols of our faith in its capital. Who's been to Washington, D.C.? It's, it's, it's a great city. Um, I was there in 97, 1997, when 
Promise Keepers was on the mall for the Million Man March. And we talk about freedom and the freedom that we have in America. I was about halfway between here and the courthouse from the stage, and you can see there were tons of people there. I was fortunate to have a guy in my church whose brother worked at the Pentagon that got us in and out pretty easily. But picture this. Here's a, here's a guy up here preaching, and here's these, these lady protesters came during his speech and went topless through the crowd. You talk about a distraction to preaching, brother. That is about as bad as it gets. It blew, I just couldn't believe they didn't arrest him. I asked, I asked a policeman, I said, man, what's up with that? He said, well, he said, actually, you can go topless in Washington, but you can't go completely naked. So if you're out there, hey, if you want to go bare, just hang out and just do it. You know, it, it's just crazy to me. It, I just, it was unbelievable, actually. I tell you another sight that I saw, a thousand porty potties in a row. Now, that, when's the last time you've seen a thousand porty potties in a row? I can die a happy man. I've seen a thousand porty potties in a row. Oh, anyhow. I was there in 68 in Resurrection City as well. That wasn't so pretty, but it, it just reinforces that the freedom that we Americans have that we abuse, we use to hurt people, we, we use it for a lot of different ways, but nonetheless, this, this, of all the countries in the world, you can get by pretty much here more than, more than anything else, actually. And then all the monuments, Iwo Jima, the wall, or... Diana's brother's name and Frank's brother's name is uh, etched in that stone and other people that I have known. And I quote, in no other place in the United States are there so many and such varied official evidence of deep and abiding faith in God on the part of governments as there are in Washington, D.C. Senator Robert Byrd we hear that, and it's almost an oxymoron today. I, I'm, not, I'm not really a political person, and I tell people I'm an independent. Part of the things that, that break my heart is in this country in which we live, Washington, D.C., to me, has almost become a war zone. That, 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 they fight all the time. They're not here. They're not there to me for, for God and country, to me, but that's just my opinion. You know, you take that as you want. But Robert Byrd said that June 25, 1962, the Supreme Court had just declared prayer in the schools unconstitutional. Some of you remember that. Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia, a Bible teacher and respected member of the U.S. legislature, was so moved by the disastrous decision that two days later he delivered an address to his colleagues in Congress reminding them of the Christian symbols, symbolism throughout their own city, this etched in stone in their own city in public buildings that represent the government. He verbally escorted them to the Library of Congress, the Capitol, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson Memorial, Supreme Court, and other landmarks. And then he concluded... Insomuch as our greatest leaders have shown no doubt about God's proper place in the American birthright, can we in our day dare do no less? And these are some of the things that he mentioned and brought to light. And I thought they were, they were really, really interesting, actually. I've been to Washington, D.C. a few times, and nobody has ever handed me a brochure or on a tour that would take you and show you these places. I think they, they want to keep them in obscurity, perhaps. 
in the Capitol building of the United States of America. Every session of the House and the Senate begins with prayer. Each house has its own chaplain. The 83rd Congress set aside a small room in the Capitol just off the rotunda for the private prayer and meditation of members of Congress. The room is always open when Congress is in session, but it is not open to the public. And the room's focal point is a stained glass window showing George Washington kneeling in prayer. Behind him is etched these words from Psalm 16:1: Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. Inside the rotunda is a picture of the pilgrims about to embark from the Holland on the sister ship of the Mayflower, the Speedwell. The ship's reverend chaplain, William Brewster, who later joined the Mayflower, has opened on his lap the Bible. Very clear are the words, the New Testament, according to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On the sail is the motto of the pilgrims, in God we trust, God with us. The phrase, in God we trust, appears opposite the president of the Senate, who is the vice president of the United States, which is, we know is a Hoosier. The same phrase, in large word, inscribed in the marble, backdrops the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Supreme Court, this is, this is amazing after all we've known about and what we've heard about Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court in the last few weeks. Here's what's in the building where they meet. Above the head of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court are the Ten Commandments, with the great American eagle protecting them. Moses is included among the great lawgivers in Herman A. McNeil's marble sculpture group on the East Front. The crier who opens each session closes with these words, God save the United States and the honorable court. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to thee for refuge. Washington Monument. Engraved on the metal cap on the top of the Washington Monument are the words, Praise be to God. Lining the walls of the stairwell are such biblical phrases as, Search the scriptures, holiness to the Lord, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. The Library of Congress. Numerous quotations from Scripture can be found within its walls. One reminds each American of his responsibility to his Maker. What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with thy God? Micah 6.8. Another in the lawmaker's library preserves the psalmist's acknowledgement that all nature reflects the order and beauty of the Creator. Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Still another reference in the Library of Congress. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. John 1.5. The Lincoln Memorial. Millions have stood in the Lincoln Memorial and gazed up at the statue of the great Abraham Lincoln. The sculptor who chiseled the features of Lincoln in granite all but seems to make Lincoln speak his own words inscribed in the walls that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. One of the things that always comes to mind to me with Lincoln is the Gettysburg Address. When we talk about speeches and length of them and passion in them, Senator Everett Edward got up and spoke well over an hour before Lincoln got up. Lincoln gets up and what speaks four, four and a half minutes, which speech was remembered. It's an amazing thing. His words, his words had a lot of power. At the opposite end of the Lincoln Memorial, on the north wall, his second inaugural address alludes to God, the Bible, providence, the almighty, and divine attributes. 
and then continues, as was said 3,000 years ago, so it still must be said, the judgment of the Lord are true. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. The Jefferson Memorial on the south banks of Washington's tidal basin, Thomas Jefferson still speaks, and I quote, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. And Senator Byrd cites these words of Jefferson as a forceful and explicit warning that to remove God from this country will destroy it. And I most assuredly concur. We live in a time that it, 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 it's heavy. It's heavy on my heart as we look at this country and how much division and lack of tolerance there is. That, like I said before, everybody wants to argue and fight. It doesn't matter what it is. And is, have we got away from God? I'll let you answer that. We have our own definition. We could all stand up and explain what America means to us and if we do believe that, that, that we have gotten away from where we started, so to speak. But it all goes back to this, that the church has to be seen and heard in this society. When Jesus calls us salt and light, that's exactly what we are to be. And if things of intolerance, of hatred and anger, and violence and chaos, shootings and going on and on and on. If that's ever going to change, it has to be the followers of Christ have to be the followers of Christ. We are the ones that carry the love of Christ into this world. And if, and if, if we're not reflecting it, if, if we're not speaking it, it it's, it's not going to happen. That's a huge responsibility, but I believe that is the responsibility that, that God has put on each one of us, actually. The symbols of our nation's faith are etched in stone in our nation's capital, and perhaps they are ignored. But they remind us that, that God and us as a nation and as individuals, as individuals, we have a history together. You know, this should call us to pray constantly. Pray for our country, for ourselves, for our families, for our veterans, both retired and active. And let us pray that we never forget and keep alive our faith in Christ. This, this nation needs need to pray. We need to pray. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. If you get a chance, you might think of a veteran today. I've had the opportunity to hear a lot of great stories from veterans, and probably my, my favorite was a guy by the name of Don Castleberry up in northern Illinois. I would, would go to coffee at this coffee shop called Myrna's every morning, and here would be these, these guys in here, and this guy was a World War II vet. And we got, he, he'd talk a little bit about it, but, but, but not a lot. And we became really good friends. 
But the thing is, when you mention God or Christ, he'd raise both hands. He wouldn't let, he wouldn't let you go any farther. He was done. He did. Who knows why? I, ne- I never knew the reason, but boy, my heart ached. And, and I know some of you have people that you really want to come to God, and they don't seem to want nothing to do with him. And it's hard on us, but we pray and we love them and we keep hanging out with them. This was the story he told about his World War II experience. He was a fighter pilot. He got shot down over Sicily. Crash landed his airplane. He said, he said, as God, you know, he didn't say this, but what he was saying is God is my witness. It wasn't, I mean, just minutes after that, and here comes this little like four-seater plane with a big swastika on the side, lands, Nazi gets out, guard, arm, puts him in the plane. Well, kicking off, they run into the side of the hill and crash. So here within, within the, an hour, an hour and a half, he's had two plane crashes. He said, I know you're not going to believe this, but this is the way it is. They put him in a half track, and that half track ran off a bridge going into the city. So he had two plane crashes and a car wreck, all, all in, within the matter. And then he ended up spending the war in a stalag. You've heard of German stalags, but anyhow. He was dying. He was up at Madison at the Veterans Hospital, and I'm up there to see him. So remember the past. I don't want to talk about God. A lot of times when people are dying or they see their own mortality, it's just close. They changed their mind a little bit, but he still didn't. And we got ready to leave, and I took one of those spiritual laws that's sometimes on your tables. Or you can pick them up out front. I laid that on his stand. I said, brother, I said, I would be remiss as your friend if I didn't do this. But I said, I'm not pushing this on you, but if... If you want to know Christ, if you want to know God, it's right here in this little booklet, and it'll tell you exactly what to do. Now, I don't know if he came to Christ or not, but the fact is there are still some veterans in this world that we need to at least listen to their stories, if you can, and thank them for the service that they have done to this country. It's like Nicholson said, when you're warm and asleep in your bed at night, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. And I do that. It, believe that is the truth. Continue to pray for our nation. I, it, 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 it's uh, every day, shootings and on and on and on. And we think, where, where can that stop? But it still is the responsibility for us as followers of Christ to interject the love of Christ in our spheres of influence in our world. And that's, that's all of us even at crossroads, even as many as here as in the first service. Can you imagine how many people will, will see or come in contact with this week? It's astronomical, actually. We don't really think of it that way, but I believe that to be true. So just listen to the Holy Spirit as he guides you this week to be an instrument of love in this world. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, God, that you've given us this precious gift of salvation, this precious gift of life and of hope and of peace and of purpose, that we, we have something to do in this world other than just please ourselves. We are to be salt. We are to be light and to flavor our spheres of influence for you. Christ, you are the only hope for America, and we realize that. And we realize as a nation we probably got away from you. So right now, Father, I just pray we as your children might really rise to that challenge and be who you've called us to be. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.